Yo, what up? It's Q Harrison Terry, and you're now listening to the NFT QT podcast. Now, this week, I do not have Ryan Cowdery with me. He is actually out of office this week, but that doesn't mean we weren't going to get into it and, you know, not enlist some new special guests. So with that being said, I have some very familiar voices that you're going to be hearing in just a second and also a new voice that you'll be hearing momentarily with that. But before I get into this this episode regarding the future of NFTs over the next year and what you should be paying attention to as it relates to NFTs, I do want to get into the sponsor message. And this week is special to me because the NFT handbook, which comes out October 12th, sponsored this show. And if you don't know, the NFT handbook is your one guide to get caught up to speed on everything NFTs. And you can check it out on Amazon.com. With that being said, I'm about to go discuss the future of NFTs with Jessica Ragsey, D from the Bitcoin podcast, and Dr. Petty himself. I'll catch y'all over there. Yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? This is going to be an excellent session. Today, I have with me both Corey and Dee from the Bitcoin podcast. You all have been talking crypto for, man, has it been over almost eight years now? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> well, we've had the show, the show officially started in 2015 and we started in crypto like 2013-ish, 2012, 2013. 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that means you've seen just about everything that's happened in crypto. So today's topic on the future of NFTs should be uh, just one more trend that you're about to observe and, and comment on, huh? Yeah, this is for sure. It's, it's been one for a long time. I'm excited to get into it. For sure, for sure. And then we also have joining us Jessica Ragsey, one of the more, I would say, phenomenal artists that have entered the NFT space. You've really taken a grassroots approach and in just introducing your, your NFT collection slowly but surely. But the momentum that you've had has just been astonishing. I mean, you, you, you're selling out pieces left and right here. Uh, what, what, what is your take on the future of NFTs? Are you excited to have that conversation with us today, Jessica? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so about the space. And it's been really amazing just seeing all the new innovations still in the NFT space. It's it's really inspiring. And yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having yeah. me. You're welcome. And, and I mean, I thanks for making the time to join us. So as people probably already know, I'm QRS and Terry, also known as NFTQT. I go around and, and document my insights and, and share those for many people to explore. Today, you're now watching this, this presentation at Texylvania, and we're going to get in a conversation about the future of NFTs. One of the first segments that I want to jump into is I just want to do a quick poll around the room. How many people think NFTs are in a bubble? And if you're watching live, you can go ahead and drop that thought in the, ch the chat. We'll, we'll look at that in a second here. But just for the people that are here on stage, NFTs, bubble, not a bubble. Why? Why not? I'm going to just start with you, Petty, and you can go around. So if I'm going to define bubble as in like overhyped based on what they currently do, I'd say yes. They're in a bubble. Would you like to know why? Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, no, no, okay. You're, you're, we got a yes. Uh, Ragsy, what are you thinking? You know, I, I do have a lot of thoughts on it. It's, it's kind of like a yes and no for me, but a yes 
I always, I'm kind of been, as an artist, uh, for those of um, people who don't know, I'm a professional uh, artist that does gallery shows, right? As well as the NFTs. And I can't help but make the comparison to when the contemporary art bubble kind of burst in 2008. And it seems to be echoing, the NFT space seems to be echoing that that whole thing with the hype and people kind of rushing into the market to uh, to buy things. So, you know, I, I think it's a bubble, but I think with the NFT space and the arts, you know, I, I feel like it can still rebound again in the future. Like just because the bubble, I don't know, first, let's say in early Q1 next year, doesn't mean that in a year from now, the prices aren't going to be up and higher than they've ever been. So I, I think it's interesting to see how this space is going to play out because it's so new, but uh, I do uh, see some things that are considered NFTs that may be in my opinion, overpriced, but we'll see, you know, uh, We'll see what happens. For sure. D, what, what's your thoughts? Are we in a bubble on the NFT front? Uh, 70 yes, 30 no. It's yes and no on the NFT Yes front. and no. All right. All right. Yeah. You're going to have to elaborate on that. Hey, right. How do you, you, you get the award for just answering the question, yes or no. I feel like, you know, everybody else on stage, <laughs> where's the succinctness at? Come on. Everyone's like uh, unsure. Is it a bubble or is it not talk? a bubble? I said 70, 30. Yes. Yes, it is a bubble because anytime someone sells a picture of a, a rock for $1.3 million. We got some crazy <laughs> craziness going on. Right. Um, I say no, because it's the start of this new market and it's just illiquid collectibles, right? That's a market that exists. It's always going to exist. We can't tell people what they can and can't value. Just like if somebody tries to get me to part with all my collections of X-Men cards from the nineties for like less than five figures, I'm going to tell them to go somewhere. Right. Like it's an illiquid collectible market. So I'd say yes. And no. I'm not all right, answering that's your great. question, Q. So, so, all right. So, so, I'm going to give everybody one more time to go around. Just quick, quick. Raise your hand okay. if you think it's a bubble. And then, do, okay. So, we got, raise your hand if you think it's a bubble. Sounds like everybody. All right. All right. All right. So, for the people that are watching this live, it sounds like the consensus here is NFT market as we currently stand, we believe it's a bubble. Uh, the reasons why I think it's a bubble is there are just simply way too many projects in the NFT space right now. It's really hard to track. It's really hard to stay abreast. And even if you wanted to be an expert, I don't know where you, where I would even recommend a person to start because, you know, there's a new 10K project literally every second now. I mean, a 10K project, meaning uh, uh, you have an NFT collection that has about 10,000 pieces and you're trying to, you know, sell uh, you know, those 10,000 pieces, either through a minting process or crazy resales on the secondary market. And it, like, I think crypto punks, when, when those happened, you know, that wasn't yesterday. That wasn't last year. That was, you know, several years ago. And they came into the mainstream after having had a chance to breathe and exist and kind of be like, have a verge culture around the, the, the collection, the community you had, an, uh, you had a moment for all that stuff to grow and manifest into what it is today. And I think everyone's trying to just put all of that into a two or three week span and see if they can replicate this crypto punk essence. And there are some projects that have come close and there are some, some great community builders out there. But I think that when you do that, you take away the essence of what an NFT is and 
you know, Ragsy, you've built an actual community uh, around your NFT project. And, and, and just for the people that are watching, could you briefly describe, you know, kind of the thought process of, of what that is? And, and, and I would love to, for you to just kind of go into, you know, your NFTs and, and what got you started. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Yeah. So I did, you know, as you know, uh, I was really nervous to launch the series. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, you know, as a professional artist, I, I was taking this NFT thing extremely seriously uh, with the innovation, as in I wasn't looking at it as a cash grab. I wasn't looking at it from necessarily a business standpoint of what can I create that people are going to buy, that people are going to run to buy, it's going to get the price really high and, and people can flip. I wasn't really looking at it that way when I was creating my series. I was looking at it as what do I want my Genesis series to be? What do I want it to represent? And why will people want to buy it? Um, aside for, from being like an investable asset. So those are the questions I asked myself. And it actually took me as, as simplistic as the series is, and the series is called uh, Bite Candy. Um, it actually took me, I would say, three to six months to develop it and really think of the concepts because I really wanted to create art. I really wanted to create something that wasn't just a cool thing to have and, and flip, but something that people would really want, but kind of understand in a way, regardless of if they were familiar with my art or not. So that was important to me. So my series is called Bites Candy, B-Y-T-E. And uh, they're digital hearts made of uh, things that resemble Lego bricks. I'm, I'm known uh, in the art world for building these cool creations out of Lego bricks. And uh, on the hearts, there's a little bite, right, in the corner uh, missing. And uh, they say snarky, nerdy, and um, I would say untraditional phrases on them, things that you wouldn't normally find on those, uh, you know, candy hearts on uh, Valentine's Day. Um, but I still wanted them to kind of echo them. You know, I, I can't think of a single person that really actually liked getting those crappy hearts on Valentine's Day, right? They're kind of like disgusting and cheesy in a way. So I kind of wanted to capture a little bit of that. So there's a glitch uh, in all my hearts. Like they're kind of like imperfect, but... Um, People really love them. And the messages on them, I feel like, are really resonating um, with collectors. And, and when I launched the series, I didn't know if people were going to buy them simply because I didn't know how much of my audience actually had crypto um, or had Ethereum or, or knew what NFTs were. And I was pleasantly surprised. I started... Um, selling out of them. My approach was very different than a lot of these community launch projects where they launch 10,000 and people run to buy it. I wanted to still be really creating my art and my pieces. So what I did is I create them one by one and I'm still creating them one by one. And, um, and I put it on the blockchain and if somebody loves it, they buy it. And if they don't, they pass. Right. And they have been selling out. I think I, I just minted one or two last week. And I think those are the only two that haven't sold are, are the recent ones. Everything else has sold. Um, so I took a really different approach than creating this. Uh, I call it the anxiety effect of it's dropping guys go run and get it. You know, there's been a lot of that in the NFT space. I really wanted it 
to just be kind of art for art's sake. And people see it and they're like, yes, that's the one I want. And they buy and they feel special because I only do one of a kind. So each candy that I make is unique. And um, yeah, it's really been a joy in making them and minting them. But it's, it's really been a joy seeing the community of collectors that have purchased them and um, why they're buying them and why they like them. And I, I was very surprised. A lot of people just told me they bought them because they just wanted to have it in their portfolio because they thought it was funny. No, uh, no, like scrolling through I mean, a portfolio, a message that says something funny on it. It was interesting. No, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the profile and just the, the whole collection that you've created with your NFTs, I think, is, is, is actually quite genius because it's uniquely you, right? It reflects who you are. It's like a, a piece that lives in the, the Ragsy universe. And, you know, it, it's fitting. No, no pun intended there. And I think that is what the future of NFTs looks like when it look, correlates to art. And so when you say, you know, what is an artist's take on an NFT project? I don't think it looks that much like a 10k you know you do have some exceptions to the rule like tom Sachs, he's coming to the space and he has a really cool project that he's uh unveiled and it, it has a 10k s flavor to it the same thing with damien hurst but when you get away from some of these uh blue chip artists and some of their endeavors in the nft space the one thing that i think a, a traditional artist that is just starting out, they might not have all the resources or all the tools and they're looking at getting into nfts they really should be thinking about one of ones and how do you create a, a piece that in three to four years is trading for three, four thousand ETH, right? And is that an unheard of? Is that impossible? No. I mean, look at Beeple. Uh, Beeple is the, 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 with his everydays is the largest NFT transaction to date. And that's $69 million. It's literally one of his digital art pieces from, when he started to to that point in time when he made that when he sold the transaction. So there was almost 15 years worth of work there. And that's notable, right? I think the one thing that is also interesting about that transaction is is Mike or people wasn't necessarily a a a traditional artist in the sense that he was making art, you know, in another space before he came. He was a digital native artist. And there's so many digital native artists. I mean, D and Corey. Uh, I consider you all as digital native artists, like the, the art that you create, the show, the Bitcoin podcast, the commentary that you spin off. It it lives first digitally. You know, people take that, clip it out. They might put it in a documentary. They might put it um, on like, you know, Cointelegraph. But it all started as like a digital audio file. And so when I think about that having value, that maturing, that space kind of showcasing what's possible, and we get away from the more the traditional art sense. What is your take on like the future of NFTs? Like, what do you think uh, that where does like a, for a journalist, for a podcaster, for someone that's creating digital files daily like yourselves, where do you think that NFTs could be in just a year or two years time from now? You go first. Mm. I was hoping you would go first. But I'll go first. Um, I mean, it's it's really hard to tell, like, because I think the value that Jessica, she's saying is that the value is in the community. Right. So for us, if we ever created NFTs, the value is going to be in like how our community can see that value and then also propagate that value outward. I guess the future of NFTs for me that get exciting that nobody really talks about, which I think is really the huge deal, is like the creator, the person that creates it, like they keep getting paid when it resells. Right. They, they, they you if you make an NFT collection that's popular enough, you've got like recurring revenue at infinitum. 
right? Like, especially if that community stays popular and it keeps selling uh, and has a high floor, then you make one piece of art. And every time that piece of art sells or resells in the future, you're making something from it, right? I think that's the thing that's kind of like, that's the pivotal change when the difference between digital art and like regular art. If I take, you know, well, I don't have any art. Mode. Yeah, I do. I got a little leaf back there. If I take that little leaf and I sell it, I get 100% of the proceeds, right? The person that made that little leaf, they don't get anything. Like it's gone. So, and then, so to build off that, Corey, I mean, th- what D is saying with, you know, perpetual royalties of, of some sort, right now, one of the biggest challenges for that, if you're an individual creator, is let's say you build your smart contract and you put that on OpenSea. Uh, that smart contract, the attributes in it. So if I get a 6% royalty on every time my piece is transacted and I program that on uh, OpenSea, that doesn't transfer over to another marketplace. So if I'm on Rarible or if I'm on, you know, the next XYZ marketplace, like blockchain interoperability is something that I think is needed in order for these vision to really be manifested. Mm-hmm. Petty, Petty, what do you think uh, on that on that front? Like, I think that like yeah. we're getting we're getting a little deep, but I, let's keep it let's keep it understandable for the general audience. But I think right. you know okay. what are what like how do we get to that vision where the artist doesn't get screwed? Because there's so many ways to still screw an artist over, uh, and they might be thinking one thing, and then they realize that this piece has been transacted ten times and they didn't get any cut. Yeah, uh, I want to take in a bit like a, a small history lesson, and this will also answer why I think why we're hype right like why it's like a bubble uh and and it it goes it basically comes around standards in a lot of ways so if you if we go back to the early the 2017s when the ico boom happened uh what happened was what facilitated the ico boom was the standardization of the erc20 token that's what most tokens are like when you think about a cryptocurrency coin that's usually built around the ERC-20 token, which is a standard on, on on Ethereum, which was the most popular first smart contracting platform, right? So you can build a smart contract that allowed you to create and exchange ERC-20 tokens, right? They made that really easy, which means that like people didn't have to understand too many technical weeds to then start implementing these tokens and then marketing around them. And, what, and it, it blew up, right? And why it blew up originally, in my opinion, was because it was twofold. It was, there was nothing else to do in Ethereum. And you had this pool of people with a bunch of excess income from Ethereum and Bitcoin and things like that, who wanted to do something with it. And so this, these tokens, these early projects came out, the early ICOs, they're like, this is what I want to do. This is exactly the ethos, the kinds of things that I'm getting into. And I, and it's really easy to do with the money I already have, this other Bitcoin and Ethereum stuff, right? And so they just blew up. And then people saw that and like, well, I'm gonna do that too. And then that kept happening over and over and over and over again. And the whole space blew up into the 2017 ICO boom. But what happened was instead of every single project that came through getting all of the attention of everyone in the entire crypto ecosystem, there were too many projects. You couldn't keep up. Just like you said earlier with NFT projects now. So people had to start changing their marketing and either putting a tremendous amount of money into marketing or going into a further specialization or niche and going after a specific pool of people that had some some value attached to it. And that's then how they got uh, attention to people like pay attention to them, buy their token, trade it, use it, whatever. 
And we're seeing that same thing happen today. So like the ERC-20 token, as far as features go, isn't the best case scenario for how you would make a fungible token. It was just the first and most broadly used. Just like today, the NFT or the ERC-721 token, which is a standard on Ethereum, isn't the best case scenario for what a non-fungible token would be. But it's the first one that blew up with CryptoKitties and what's been proliferated throughout. And we're seeing the same thing happen today. And so when you talk about royalties not being baked into that standard, well, that may take a while because now that we have the standard, we have larger marketplaces that allow you to go from one project to the next. Or like I minted it on CryptoKitties, I extracted it from that thing or some other game for that matter, and I put it on OpenSea to make money. But it's like that only works is because there's a standard that goes across it. So for that for, for that standard, do you think that we're gonna see a a ERC twenty two created for artists and then yeah, so maybe I, a ERC twenty twenty three for games? Yeah. Is that so like eventually, the future? Eventually we'll get to new standards that then alter that original functionality to include things like royalties. Or like we just may have this like modular royalty standard that allows you to attack combine them in certain ways like puzzle pieces so that way later on down the line when when artists jump in because like right now y'all are y'all on the frontier y'all are y'all are on the bleeding edge of the new technology and so you unfortunately are going to jump into something that may not be its best case scenario in the future but you're also at a point to experience and discover that before everyone else does and then play around with it in new creative ways that the engineers who build it haven't thought of yet. And so like, I think there's going to be new puzzle pieces that are, that like incorporate things like fungibility or like uh, persistent royalties and all this other cool stuff down the line. We're just not there yet. So if someone wanted to get started and like started to rethink standards or contracts in general, like, what is the best way to do that? Because I think a lot of people get stuck. And, and you you all have, have seen many entrepreneurs try, uh, succeed, try and fail. And like, from your observation, what would you say is the best way to kind of, you know, play with the standard and, and, and create that trend per se? For me, do it. Like, play with it, build one, try and sell it, figure out where the problems are, and then talk about those problems as much you, as much as you can. And then find interesting ways of getting around those problems. Cause more often than not, like you you, you find kind of ad hoc solutions. And at some point, these ways of fixing the problems you have are too cumbersome. So someone then finds like, well, I have a better way to do that. And that's where like a real innovative standard comes from. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. I want to, I want to go back around the, the room real fast. Uh, Patty mentioned something, Ragsy, and this was earlier when he talked about, you know, crypto kitties, uh, it was a blockchain game essentially. And we're seeing a lot of blockchain games just kind of coming up to play really just this past year. You know, you've seen, I've seen Axie, Infinity, Ember Sword, and a few others. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, NFT gaming will probably continue to be a trend for the, the future. How do you, how, how are you seeing it as an artist? Like, is this an opportunity for you to have your own video game per se? Or like, have you thought about it in that re- regard? Because it is still a very, uh, greenfield opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I, you know, I think most people discovered crypto and NFTs because, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, because of Bitcoin, right? Because of what was going on with Bitcoin. I found crypto, it was the opposite for me because of crypto kitties. So it was funny you mentioned that because I'm an artist 
And um, my a friend of mine was like, "You have to, you have to look at this." It was a, a couple of years ago, maybe two, early 2018. She's like, "There's these digital cats, and you breed them, <laughs> and there are, and, and it's called crypto kitties." And I was just like what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? I had no, I'd heard of Bitcoin before and stuff, but wasn't like so in, into crypto. And that was kind of for me when I had my, aha, what is this? This is going to be big for art. So I actually was happy that I, I, uh, my friend gave me that tip early and I learned about it because that's how I kind of got into crypto in the NFT market was because I thought those kitties were so fascinating. And um, I will tell you, because I've spoken with a few like other known artists, um, you know, in the gallery space and with what they do. And there's a lot of them that are working on developing some kind of game, you know, through, through their arts, because, uh, you know, we feel that that's going to be the next thing. It's a, uh, it's kind of going to be this idea of, of a utility NFT, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, um, you can have, this is just an example, one of my bite candies, maybe you bought this, but maybe what you didn't know is that it actually means something else in some kind of metaverse somewhere or will be important somewhere in the future. And um, I can't speak for every artist that's making NFTs right now, but I do see a lot of professional artists that are taking their time coming into this NFT space because they're working on developing um, some sort of game that's that's going to really engage um, the collectors and just kind of having it in a wallet. I mean, having it in a wallet is a cool flex, right? If you have a crypto punk or something in your wallet, it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> automatic respect. But I do see uh, some artists really taking their time, you know, developing... Um, different different kinds of art that's going to be considered gaming and i think it's going to be huge not just for artists but obviously the gamers and the the people who stream with these massive followings i mean this space i it just blows my mind like i don't think i can fathom like how big the gaming space is is going to be and how important it's going to be to to blockchain no, I, I that was a wonderful uh, segment. I know we're running short on time. So, D, I do want to close out on a few more things with you. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's talk about Raxi brought up utilities, NFTs. When I think about the future of NFTs, I do think that there is a huge opportunity for, you know, people being able to take their NFT and create a level of access that hasn't been, you know, a, like it hasn't been a, an easy way to do that in the last, you know, let's say 10, 20 years, especially because we're seeing things like, you know, the Board Ape Yacht Club, which is really, I think, a great case study where, you know, it's one thing on to, to, to many people that observe it. It's another thing to the person that holds it. And then it's also paying this dividend and the projects that are spinning out around it that really the only beneficiaries are the people that own the NFTs are. What is your take for like the future of, of utility and mm -hmm. NFTs? Oh, man, I can't say it's my take. I actually have to give a shout out to a friend of mine named Stephen Mackey, uh, and he is the founder of uh, Amentum. Uh, but the governments can use NFTs. Governments can 
issue NFTs to participants in their country. If you've given money to certain projects, you get issued a token from the government that shows that, yeah, you are participating in the government's finances. You are participating in these projects, right? And then you get tax kickbacks because they can provably see that you contributed to these projects, right? And then there's royalties like these standards that Corey was talking about, if they are built in. Well, hey, man, I actually physically, I gave money to build that highway over there and you put tolls on it. Can I get a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, right? Like if this is my government, right? So the possibilities there are really endless when it comes to actually using NFT standard to do real world things. And those are the two, if I could close this out on a powerful note, if you want to be the guy or the person, the woman, the person, uh, that is uh, making the standard that allows for like you to get recurring royalties. You might want to tackle that one. And if you can peel these digital goods and there's a bridge between the digital and physical, if you could tackle that problem too. All right. Those are $2 billion problems right there. So is that good? That was, that was incredible. <laughs> I, I think that there's really no other way to, to end this uh, show, but you definitely gave away some good game. I think one thing I'll, I, I've learned just from this conversation, from talking to all three of you, is it sounds like the pioneers, you know, you want to be early to the game. You don't want to be locked into one thing like it pays to be agnostic right now because no one really knows what is the right way forward and things will change inevitably. But at the same time, it pays to also be thinking right now about some of the contracts underneath these projects. Don't do a project just because it's cool. Look at the context. Go find a developer. Uh, spend some time reading the dev docs and understanding what is actually going in, not only from a metadata standpoint, but also from uh, a usability standpoint, right? Like, what is the utility to the end user uh, that doesn't know anything that's going on on the back end? Because if you understand that, that gives you the most access. And, and ultimately, you get a chance to build the future of NFTs. And we'll be talking about you on a stage here soon. <laughs>